Hello and welcome to Ladies of the Ladder. I am your host, Kira, and I am here with... Allison. And Caroline. And it might sound a little strange in here. We're not in our typical... Um, bedazzled Hollywood studios actually this light. We don't have such things, but we're sitting in uh, Caroline and Allison's kitchen, um, which I think is a great place to discuss the path because it is like, it's the kind of thing you discuss around the water cooler Absolutely. the next day, I think. But we we watched the episode and we wanted to get this podcast out as soon as possible because a lot happened. Uh, this is episode 204, The Red Wall. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Um, I guess I'd like to start off with any jaw-dropper moments. Any moments that you had that you were like, oh, I did not see that coming, or that was a reveal that shocked you or surprised you. (laughs) I know for me, I will say, um, I think one of the things that shocked me, and I don't know if it was like a moment, but this episode, Sarah really became Cal. Yeah. And I I had asked that last week, you know, because I was like, is Sarah, you know, is she more like Cal or is she more like Eddie? Because she's like having doubts and just like Eddie was. But this episode, I saw her like just get really cold and just be like, no, we got to do what we got to do. Yeah, for sure. And then lies to Cal about using the tape. Yeah. To... to, um, to bribe the, to, I can't think of the word. Shoot. To, to blackmail. The, blackmail, yeah. thank to you. To blackmail the, the IRS worker. And then lies saying he didn't, she didn't actually blackmail her. Even though she did. Yeah. And, what were you going to say, Caroline? I was just trying to think back to that scene. So she doesn't play it for her, but she threatens. She makes it very play. clear. Yeah. Laying it on the table right next yeah. to the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, putting her hand. Yeah. 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 And. What was interesting is that, like, Cal, originally, he wanted to call it all off. Mm -hmm. Because he was like, and I, you know, it's like, he needs Sarah to be good. Mm -hmm. He needs her to be good because everything he has is wrapped up in her. He loves, he's in love with her. She's, like, the person he wants to be, the person he wants to be with, the person he wants to be like, you know. And so he was like, you can't do this. It just, I really think that that might be the most genuine we've seen Cal. Yeah. When he was like, no, don't do this. Not that he doesn't want to solve the problem, but for him, for what he needs, for his own selfish personal motives, he needs Sarah to be a good person. And he said, this isn't you. Like he does, he cares about her so much that he doesn't want her to change. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, one of the only times I thought he was genuine. Yeah, I thought he... Allison does not. She's so suspicious of, <laughs> of, of my boo. I am. That is <laughs> very you true. so cranky about my boo? <laughs> I feel like he knows how to play Sarah and knows... I don't think you're wrong. I do think he needs her to be good and needs her to be whole and kind. But he everything he says to her just gives me like the ugh, kind of... Chills. He's a creeper. Yeah. Yeah, he's a total creeper. And one thing that stood out to me is when he was at the center, the New York center, and he went for a jog at night. Yeah. And so we see Cal jogging past the center. Do you remember that part? It's nighttime. Uh-huh. Yes. Somebody is coming out that used to live in the building. Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all, is the center next to a graveyard? 
There were two mm-hmm. shots of the cemetery, so it must be, there must be, Ooh. like, it looks like the building is, one side's the garden and the other side is the cemetery. That's so weird. I hadn't noticed that. My boss was texting me, so I was slightly <laughs> distracted. <laughs> it was a graveyard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? There's a graveyard at the center? That is freaking creepy. And it was like right up, it wasn't like off to the side. It was right up no, against the... Out the front doors. Yeah. yeah. Out the front doors. So is it an old church? And there's a cemetery next to it because it's this old property that used I to feel like I must church? have missed but what it was. But then why did that guy have to move out? Was he not like a paying tenant? I must have missed what this building was when they purchased it because it seemed like it was a school, an old school. It does look like that. A cemetery next and, to the But school. then that guy came out and he was like, yeah, that's true. That's a cemetery next to the school. It's <laughs> horrifying. What a terrible. So I had assumed when the man came out that he was like a, a pastor or a priest at the mm. what was a church uh-huh. in my own head uh-huh. and then he was saying this was where I was living for mm-hmm. so long but now I can't live here because I'm not the right kind of homeless but then as Cal later in the episode we see him passing out blankets I was wondering if do you remember in season one when he had welcomed all the refugees mm-hmm. in I had wondered if they were kicking out the homeless tenants and moving in the refugees that he had wanted to find a home for. I think I wonder if that's it too. I think that maybe yeah, there was people in there that were home squatting in there, mm-hmm. so to speak. Because I don't think the building was being used. Why wouldn't that guy get to live in there then? Because he's not. Because he's not the right the kind right of homeless. Kind. Oh, because he's not a Myrist right. homeless. Right. Got it. He's not going to get with the program. And then he threw that bottle at. So I brought all this up to say he threw that bottle at Cal, and it hit. And Cal was like really upset by it. And he was upset by that exchange with the guy. The guy was like, I'm not the right kind of homeless. And I realized watching Cal, I'm like, he needs to be liked. Like, that's part of his Mm -hmm. psychosis is that he has such a desperation for people to enjoy him that he couldn't even accept that this guy was just pissed off. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, move on, dude. You've got all these other people you're working with. But that guy just disturbed him so much. Yeah. What do we know about Cal's dad? Nothing. Okay. I remember Kathleen Turner last season talking about her his no good dad and he was just like his dad. Okay. And and I remember her saying that they would drink together, her and the dad. Um and then it was kind of suggested that they got into trouble that way or okay. like Cal was left on his own because of that. That's all we know. I don't think we know much else. Yeah. All right. I had wondered if maybe he had been abused as a kid, and so the reaction, his reaction to that bottle being thrown at him was like instant, oh, fear mixed with fight. Yeah, as like like a being response. an adult, I could now fight back on this uh, man that's coming at me. Yeah, but then I couldn't remember what we know about his dad. So not much. I'm pretty story. sure. Yeah, it's not much. I do want to talk about the opening of the episode though, because we see Cal at like I call it like the come to Jesus meeting. Like, he's holding the, you know, everyone's excited, and he's yeah. holding that class. Yeah. And it's the wall. Yeah. And he's like, what could, you can change the color of the wall. Mary, what color is the wall? And I'm like, the wall is white, y'all. Like, yeah. the, everybody <laughs> knows that the wall can't change color, right? You would How many, so. I wonder who else, like, who of those people believes it did change. Yeah. 
And if Sean's the only one who spoke up to say, like, I couldn't change it and they're just all doing it out of fear. Yeah, I can't, I don't know where Abe stands. I want yeah. him to know that this is all crap. Mm-hmm. But when he was so excited about the blue wall, I believed him for a second. Blue sky. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think he's still acting, but I do feel like he's, you know, these people are becoming his friends. Mm-hmm. And you could tell when he had that exchange with his boss mm-hmm. at the FBI or whatever, and he was like kind of giggling about, um, you know, who these people are. And, and his boss asked him, are you okay? Like, how's the job going? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. basically, are you getting sucked in? And so, I don't know. Abe is, like, that's a complicated character because he's on the fence. I feel like he's he's doing a job, but he's also, he's totally immersed. And now his anchor is gone. His wife and kids are gone. Yeah. Yes. So, there's no one, there's no tether to reality for him anymore. Except for what he does whenever he meets with his contacts or like in the FBI mm-hmm. so I don't know but I was thinking like I as somebody who has basically grown up as a Christian in the evangelical church I see the same thing a lot at church like people um, especially in the tradition that I come out of which is like really charismatic like the kind where you would see people running up and down the aisles and, you know, falling and getting slain in the Holy Spirit and all that. And I sometimes see that. I can remember being at church and one of the um, the lady pastors, you know, standing up and saying, I, I just feel like I got to deliver the Holy Spirit to everyone. And she kept going up to people, putting her hands on their foreheads and like, you know, you're going to get slain in the Holy Spirit, which for anybody who doesn't speak Christianese just means like the presence of God is so big, it like knocks you out or whatever and so so people were like going down like Benny Hinn you know watching Benny people are like going down and I happened to be standing in this aisle that she was coming down and I was like please God please don't let her I mean I'm praying to God that she won't (laughs) come up to me because the whole I just to me it was like everyone was at this fever pitch everyone was getting carried away but there was no anchor in what we were doing i felt mm-hmm. like everyone was just reacting to the next person instead of to something true or spiritual mm, sure. so she got to me and I, she put her hand on my forehead and i didn't feel anything i didn't feel you know i was in church like i was every sunday and worshiping but i didn't feel like oh i'm lightheaded or i'm gonna fall out or pass out and she just kept pushing my forehead eventually she's like hitting it she's like hitting my forehead and I was thinking should I just fall down like just to make it stop and um I eventually she stopped and went away but I thought to myself how much of this that I'm seeing is just really people getting carried away with um whatever energy we're sending around each other as and of course I believe in real true experiences but it, that's what that reminded me of like everyone's sitting there what color is the wall and you know you're supposed to get it mm-hmm. you're supposed to be working and climbing this ladder you're supposed to get it so you don't want to be the person that doesn't see the wall change totally yeah that's true yeah the if it's supposed to be happening you're just I would just shout out a color <laughs> it doesn't seem like you can't say to cow like I don't see anything. Yeah. Like, you just got to say it. And that's the other thing. Like, no one feels free to to say that they're not growing or I'm not getting this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I th- and then later on, we see Sean go to Eddie. 
Yeah. And say, I'm not getting this. Now, I do want to talk about the shift that I'm, I saw in Sarah this episode. Um, because last week I thought she was more like Eddie experienced her, experiencing her doubts. This week she's more like Cal. But she said something that I found interesting and is kind of echoed in Eddie this week and last week, which is um, she says to Cal, I don't know if you remember this, they're arguing about the IRS lady. And she's like, you know what? I get it now. That the that the the latter was a little book written for six people yeah. in nineteen sixty nine or whatever, and we're not them. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. yeah, she said the book needs to be rewritten. Yeah, which was fascinating. Yeah, which goes back to weren't you the one who thought that she might be the one that takes over the movement? Remember when we were doing like predictions at the end of yeah. season one? Yeah, I could see. I could see it. And I could see it all being justified in her own head as what is good for the movement. And they they keep saying that. Yeah. yeah. Everybody keeps... Kodiak and Richard have a conversation. Oh, Kodiak, I think Richard is like... You know, Kodiak and Richard have a, a discussion in the garden. Kodiak is... He's a whack job. Oh, for sure. <laughs> He's an old hippie. Staring at that strawberry. Yes, staring at the strawberry. Yes, you know you what? You don't know show. until you, you don't know. in the cold. Yeah, you don't, <laughs> you don't know Richard. And Richard was like, yeah, I do. You know? <laughs> but I did feel like, okay, it, I've been looking at Richard as like a really cool character who's like, who is kind of the most down to earth person. But watching him talk to Kodiak, I'm like, you know what? He's just a part of the machine too. He's not, you know, he's, he's, I don't know if we as a viewer can rely on Richard to save us from this cult. You know, he's Hmm. part of the machine. Yeah. Like when he was saying, you can't just go around making these big claims. We have to secretively do it. I want to know, so it sounds to me like Kodiak used to be in the movement, but like does his own thing now. Mm -hmm. He's just rogue or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I wonder if they'll tell us. Why? Yeah, like his loyalty is just to Steven. Yeah, he said the movement was never really my thing. Yeah, it's vengeance for Steve's death. Yeah, Steven's death. That's interesting. And then Richard said Steven, the movement meant everything to him. And I don't know if we've seen enough of Steve to know that that's true. Hmm. Um, clearly, he knew that. I mean, he died, so he knew that all of the stuff was BS. Yeah. But there are, like, I again, I'm always comparing it to Scientology, even though, of course, this show is not based on any way, with any possibility, on the religion of Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there are people in Scientology, there are two types of Scientologists that are that way. There are the true believers, and then there are the, and, and the ones that stay in it and work and live on the base and do all. And then there are people who just kind of come in and out of the church, dabble. They're not real serious. And that's who I... You start to see, oh, there's people like that in the Meyerism movement. And Kodiak might be one of those people. Where he's like, he liked the idea of of finding a way to live in peace with himself or with whatever was going on in the world. He liked the feel-good parts of it. But the whole (sighs) rule books for cults thing might have been too much for him. So how is he not considered a denier? Because I think he's still <coughs> practicing, like he's still practicing the principles, but he's just not like living on campus and, oh, okay. you know, 
in leadership. I don't know, that because that's what I kind of thought. Like, how do they allow him to not be 100%? <laughs> it seems like if you're not 100%, you're 0% in their mind. You're a denier. Maybe. Maybe. But he might have some protection, too, because he's older. Like, he's one of the originals. Yeah, maybe. And Steve's friend. Yeah. So maybe that gives him some level of, of protection. Anyone he talks to, I think he's going to kiss. It's the tone of voice that he takes, no matter who it is, I'm waiting for him to just turn and like grab them by both cheeks and kiss them right on the mouth. It is so true. He does have this air of intimacy about him. Like he seems like that kind like I bet he's a close talker. Like I bet he's that guy that like, yeah, yeah, it's bedroom voice. And he's definitely the guy who pulls the guitar out at every living room party and starts playing. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And his favorite girls are like 18 year old (laughs) girls. (laughs) That like don't know anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They they got 18 year old girls with daddy issues. They love Kodiak. Yeah, but he's, yeah, that's funny way to describe him. Like he's going (laughs) to, it is, he's got this quality again it's that hippie kind of thing you know and I do know like my my parents were hippies and they both like grew up but they still have friends where like if you meet them to this day and they're in their 60s they are like they have never changed they are the hippie dippy generation of the 60s like love and free love and sex and rock and roll and all of that and and yeah it is like a persona yeah that people take on and i think it's interesting that meyer that the writers have chosen to almost divide meyerism into then and now Hmm. like you see the older people and they're all all like they're smoking weed and doing lsd like basically they're just like we want to feel good. We want to have a good time. Mm-hmm. But then the children they've raised are like the Nazis about it. Yeah. And Hawk was being a super Nazi during his... He was like during the um, meeting. Yeah. He was like, yeah. He was yeah. so into it. I'm like, uh-oh. Not yeah. as into it as the girl next to him. Which oh, yeah. Caroline pointed out was way too into it. <laughs> Why are you so excited? <laughs> yeah. But he was overly engaged. But I do also, again, it speaks to the, the power of, of Cal's personality. Um, that wall was white. You oh, know, yeah. it was a white wall. But Cal was able to stand in front of those people and make it sound like he didn't say anything. Yeah, he, it was all a bunch of gobbledygook. And I was thinking that all of the people <laughs> sitting there, I felt bad for them because, like I said earlier, you can't say that you don't get it. Absolutely. Well, and I think there's a couple sides to that. Mary has to support Cal, so she is quick to jump in so that mm-hmm. he feels as though someone in the room is participating. So she's like, oh, it's red, it's red. And then everyone else in the room, I would imagine, thinks that because she sees it, they ought to see it too. And so they start shouting out colors. And she did have the like moment of, like, who's my loyalty to? Because mm-hmm. she like, looks yes. to Sean, who's all pissy, and then... Says she sees it. I wonder if Hawk, um, like how much plays into it that his mom is the 
What did she call herself? I am the co-guardian. Yeah, of the, the co-guardian light. of the light. Yeah, that's not a thing. That's a <laughs> yes, it is. You can't see that. <laughs> and her dress is blue and gold, not white and gold. Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah. Still love those costumes. Yeah. I looked it up. One of the uh, costume designers also did the costumes for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Which is oh, I love why that I love show. It. Me too. What? Yeah, Jessica Alfano. We love you. Oh, yeah, thank you. I did see some bags, too, that people had. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, now every episode I'm looking for fashion choices from the eye, and I was like, oh, I like that little tote bag. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that is so funny. Well, let's talk about Eddie for a minute. Okay. Because Eddie wakes up in the hospital after his confrontation from last week, and annoying Chloe is with him. And uh, eventually Sarah comes to visit him. She figures out, because he's not there to pick up his daughter on Sunday. So she figures out he's at the hospital. She goes to visit him. I was actually really moved by that scene. Her and Eddie. Like, you could really see that it was like, they want to be together. Mm, Absolutely. So badly. And it feels like the first time that she's allowed herself to say that out loud instead of just inferring it. I think the first time she has said, come home, please just come home. Yeah. Which I loved. I loved that it showed her true devotion to him and yeah. that she was willing to, she's willing to fight for this on her terms, of course, but. But she, but her. at the end of the day, she feels like that's what's best for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I can't really blame her. She's not being insidious about it. She really honestly feels that like the best thing for him is to be with the family and in, in, in the Myrism movement. Absolutely. It's not a selfish thing. You know, she was saying this hospital can't help you. They don't believe in drugs or, you know, psychotherapy or anything like that. And that girl can't help you. Mm-hmm. That skanky girl. I don't know who she is. <laughs> her face when she looks at Chloe and doesn't have any response to her. I know. Ever. She's like, who are you? With her little, like... Her little yeah. keyhole. Yeah. yeah, her little. I was like, Chloe needs to go home to her kids. Does she not have children? Oh yeah, she's a single mom, right? Yeah. yeah. Get your ass home to your kids. What are you doing? Yeah, she is. She really bugs me. I think I have that in my notes here somewhere. Like, Chloe just needs to go home. And she even said that she'd been in therapy for ten years. She told Eddie that because she was telling him, "Look, I know a little bit about." like a psychotic break and my first thought was like you need a new therapist because 10 years (laughs) of therapy is way too long and how does she have money for 10 years of therapy that stuff's expensive no no you're you're paying for it the taxpayer of new york state or is this what state they're in the the taxpayers are paying paying for for (laughs) those yeah unsuccessful therapy (laughs) for 10 years good grief seriously people if you're seeing a therapist and i've seen therapists in my life if you're seeing a therapist for 10 consecutive years, it's not working. No one is meant to be in therapy forever. Not if at the end of the 10 years you then end up in bed with your dead ex. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Who's married. Yeah. Yeah. That I feel like is just red flags all over the place. (laughs) No doubt. Um, But Eddie, yeah, that scene really moved me because it was like the first time, yeah, that I saw. They love each other. Mm -hmm. They want to be together. Eddie wants to be with his family. And in the end, we see Eddie finally take the doctor's advice and he finds a cult survivor's meeting. Yes. 
And he goes in and he says, for the first time, I'm Eddie and I used to be in a cult. And I thought that at that time, what I found was interesting is that the doctor was telling him, look, you need to take these drugs. They will help you. You need to go to this meeting. It will help you. You know, you've been brainwashed. You've been taught to think one way for your whole life. And now you have all this freedom. You need help. And I thought that must be so confusing to come out of a cult where people have been telling you what you need. Yeah. And you're just looking at another person who's telling you what you need. That's the complete opposite of what you've been told. Yeah. So what? how do you know? How do you know what you need? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I suppose it's a great first step to go to be part of a room full of people who are experiencing that same thing. But isn't Myerism then the same thing? Like, they're all still, like, all those refugees, like, how do you know which is the truth? They're both offering the same help Mm -hmm. in a different way and saying the other is That's interesting. That is a very good observation, and that is exactly what I was thinking. I I mean, of course I think that the cult survivors are on the right track. I mean, Myra's in this full of crazies, but (laughs) I was thinking if I had been born, like, or essentially raised in a cult... And to finally discover that this life is not true. What I thought was true is not true. How do I even know what is true anymore? How can I know that what these people are saying is based on independent thought and it's not just someone else telling me what to do or giving me another group to find comfort in? Yeah. Well, and he has an additional layer to it as well because he has to be a little bit concerned that everyone is sent by Cal. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. even I was thinking as he's talking to the doctor, yeah. what's to prevent him from thinking that Cal has placed this woman there to tempt him with drugs that are going to ruin him or send him to this room where there is a supposed group, but is actually going to attack him. I mean, there's so much more, so many more layers to what he's having to undo in his own brain. Yeah. No, I, I about that. it's exactly it. Exactly. It's like the thread. I mean, he said it a couple episodes ago, he said it's like a thread. You start pulling at it mm-hmm. and everything starts loosening up. And it's like we're seeing the thread on. One thing that's interesting about Eddie is that clearly he's being set up as some kind of leader. We see what Steve said about him. He's got the mark. He's, he's, but he says, he said it in past episodes and he says it to Sean don't this all this other stuff is basically it's it's like the trappings of religion it's not it's not real what's real is basically what you feel like do you feel love for people do you want to help people do you want to feel joy and happiness basically like that is what is real not some you know god or i or spiritual stuff and then sarah said that she was like i get it i get what this is this book was written you know a dozen you know two dozen years ago by six for six people Mm -hmm. in the 60s and I was almost like oh I'm starting like their paths are kind of starting to converge again and that that same way of thinking that that the that the spiritual side of the movement is kind of bs but the intentions are good yeah which is I was surprised that Eddie when Sean came to him that Eddie didn't say get Mary out now because for Sean to, I get Eddie's thing of like, if you can keep your family, do it. Mm-hmm. But 
then he just has, he's just going to end up in Eddie's spot in however many years. Like it just, their paths are then going, his and Mary's paths are just going in opposite directions. Like why not say, get her out now? Well, first of all, I don't think Eddie's in a position to be giving, you know, solid advice to anyone. Mm -hmm. He's losing his mind. Yeah. But also the thing that's hurting him the most is that he doesn't have his family and they're the only things that matter to him. So he was telling Sean, like, like my life is pointless if I don't have these people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and fake it, you know, fake it. These are your people. This is what they believe. Fake it. For Eddie, it's too late because he's already told everyone you know, yeah. everyone knows that he's a denier. And for him to go back means he's going to have to tell even more lies. Yes. And so, be yeah. Also, I'm not sure that Mary will ever end up where Sarah is. I think Mary, I don't, I have not seen in her eyes any sense of belief since she arrived. Mm-hmm. I've seen devotion to Cal and yeah. obsession with Cal. But I would be really surprised if she had any sort of connection to the Meyerism beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so in my head, she's staying in this thing because she's devoted to Cal. Yeah. And now Sean is staying because he's devoted to Do Mary. you think Mary loves Sean? I was surprised how sweet she was when he returned. I didn't expect her. I would have said no. Like she just did it. Because Cal told them to, mm-hmm. and she thought it was right. But when she was like, I'm so glad you came back, I thought that was real. I think she really wants to love him. Yeah. She really wants a normal life with a, with this great man who loves their child. And she just, she can't quit Cal. She doesn't have the constitution for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think she wants to... And I think there's a part of her that does love Sean, you know, that does love him um, because he is a sweet guy and he's very he dedicated to her. Um, but yeah, I think it's more of like her wanting to love him than really like being excited to be with him yeah, or whatever. It's now three really good dudes who are being screwed over by Cal, Eddie and <laughs> Sean and Hawk. Yeah. Three really great guys who are just slowly being sucked into darkness i wonder if we're gonna get to see cal have some sort of comeuppance this season i know you don't want to blow the wad like if they get a third season you don't want to blow that for you know too early but there is a piece of me like i just want to see one person like call him out on his shit like in public be busted out for something even if it's for like fathering mary's baby or it doesn't necessarily have to be the murder but like anything i'm just i'm dying to see like him get some kind of come up and kodiak seems like he's got the balls for it yeah not the like that we want him to do it with it would he'll do it very gently yeah (laughs) i think that you betrayed us Mm -hmm. yeah he will will. (laughs) maybe kodiak's got a little you know Maybe he's got a little rough side to him. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what he is working against and what Myrism oh, helps him maybe. with. Maybe, you know. I only say that because this actor plays the most manly parts in every oh, yeah. show he's in. <laughs> no, so. I love that we're seeing such a different side to him. Yeah. <laughs> I keep wanting him to talk about Dexter's code well, every time. <laughs> I keep wanting him to get on the cell phone and like order a maid to his room that's what he did with <laughs> samantha sex and the city but yeah he's that guy is so great um 
Let's see. I said Aaron Paul in that scene with Sean, he had a shirt on that I thought was cool. It said CBC on it. Did you notice it? Uh-huh. I was like, what does CBC stand for? Yeah. I don't know. I, Congressional Black Caucus? Probably. CBC? Yeah, yeah, probably. I would or imagine that's what Aaron Paul represents. <laughs> Canadian Broadcasting Company? Mm-hmm. They're close to Canada. They're, they, they are. Yeah. That's true. Do they have affiliations with Hulu? I don't know. I don't know, but I did notice the shirt, and I was like, oh, CBC, I'm going to try to figure out what this is, but then the only two things that I could think of that were CBC were Congressional Black Caucus, and I know that because I'm a politics junkie, and then CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and I know that because I'm Canadian. I don't know any other. All right. I'll investigate. We'll see. Somebody let us know. Isn't a CBC, don't you get a blood panel called the... The CBC that... Take your... Oh, give me a CBC, C D C. Did you one of watch the that on Grey's Anatomy? Oh yes, on Did every. On Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I don't know. I I liked it. I liked complete blood count. Hey, CBC panel. Oh oh, look at that. Maybe it you is. You are correct. Maybe it is complete blood count. I would wear that on a shirt. It would be symbolic of. Give me a CBC. I don't know. He just came out of the hospital. Maybe yeah. that's what they give. It's like a party. <laughs> Like a like lollipop yeah, at the... Thanks for staying yeah. with us. Here's your shirt. <laughs> oh, great. Um, <laughs> let's see. What else do I have in my notes here? I think we've moved through almost everything. Allison, did you have something you wanted to talk about? There was some moment at the end, and then we can talk about that, but let me... Yeah, no, I think you, you know covered you most have. of it. When um, he says, none of us is beyond unburdening, None of us is above unburdening. That uh-huh. was interesting. Oh, Kodiak, Kodiak said that, that to yeah. Cal. I thought that was interesting. Cal got like, super oh, snooty oh, about it, too. He was like, ah, I'll see you at dinner. Yeah. yeah. I know that. I don't like, want to. He doesn't want to unburden. No. He can't because his unburdens will, like, be I'm the end everybody. of everyone. Yeah. yeah. No, what, what did I I had in here that... Um, Let's see. Oh, Eddie was really whispery this episode. I said that. He is doing a lot of this. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like he is that way more in this show. I mean, I've only ever seen him in Breaking Bad in this. Yeah. But in this, he is like, Hawk, come on, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah. I think it must, I can only imagine it must be a deliberate acting choice. Mm -hmm. Maybe to separate himself. Because that is such an iconic role now. But Jesse, yeah. right? Oh, Jesse from sure. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and I have to, say, I will say this. He, I think he's done a great job of separating himself from that character. Absolutely. I don't think about him. I don't think about Jesse when I watch the show. I don't think about Breaking Bad when I watch the show. No. And I think that that's um, quite a feat for any actor who is in a role like that that just means so much to so many people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, kudos to Aaron Paul. Good job. Yeah. Well done. Um. Oh, and then I did say about Cal having that bottle thrown at him. Like, he got really sad. He had his sad Cal face on. And I'm like, "Did you did kill someone. Like, he was all like, oh, I'm cut. You know, like, how how could someone treat me like this? And I'm like, I think, did he forget that he, mur- he literally murdered someone? <laughs> what did Sarah say? It'll heal. Yeah. Like, what? It'll heal. If you just believe it. Yeah. If you just believe in your whole heart. But I didn't know if we were starting to see Sarah soften a little bit. She's clearly angry. I mean, that, there's no doubt. Oh, yeah. But there was a moment there with her and Cal when she did, I mean, she did ask, like, what happened to your face? And 
and like you said, Allison, he told her what she, he knew sh- that she needs to hear, which is, I think you're good. I yeah. think you're special. I think you're better. All of those things. And I kind of felt like I saw a moment where, oh, maybe Sarah is starting to figure out a way, if, if not to move past and at least compartmentalize what happened and put it in a box and return to like admiring Cal in some way. Ugh, I don't want to believe that. I want to believe that she's stronger. His tone shifts so dramatically. I mean, kudos to Hugh Dancy because it is so great. It's a great performance. Normally, and then starts talking to Sarah, and his tone changes (laughs) just so subtly. But it is this manipulative, really soft, condescending tone. It's wonderful because it's so subtle, but it is like it irks me every time. And then it's always like it's always a pause, and then you know whatever's coming next uh-huh. is this lie. And I want so badly for Sarah to be too strong yeah. to be taken down by those yeah. lies. To be like, or just one time be like, "You're a liar." Yes, yeah. I am on to you. And that's why he doesn't like Cal. Doesn't like the elders mm-hmm. because it's like they can sniff him out. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't really like the elders of the. Yeah, and Kodiak cult. says. Sh- the shadow's grown long and the night is only beginning. And yeah. I thought, like, oh, this is going to be good. Ooh, Cody, yes. So I thought much he was going to, like, rip the head off that rabbit or something <laughs> when he, like, picked it up no, and it was, like, like squirming. <laughs> like, that was that rabbit going, I'm not getting paid enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and they don't eat meat or anything. My second thought was, oh, um, there's some good rabbit stew there, but then I remember they don't oh, eat meat. Oh, my goodness. Meat. Do you think he's just going to carry it around with him for the next few episodes? Well, that rabbit was, remember he talked about the strawberry and he was like, the rabbits have been at him. Mm -hmm. So there's got to be some symbology there with the rabbits eating away at at their sustenance, at their nutrition. And we find that not only have rabbits infested the compound, but there is a mole. Ooh. Yes. And now Sarah and Cal know it. And that was my jaw drop moment. I yes. was like, no! Until this point, you know, Abe's just been able to kind of operate freely and not Absolutely. really have to worry about being found out. I mean, you know, no one there would even think about a plant in their group. Nope. Until... Everything started going to hell, and then the IRS lady um, gets mic'd, and just as uh, Sarah's about to play the damning tape, um, she realizes, oh crap, I'm my head's on the chopping block here too, mm-hmm. and she had to tell Sarah, no, I'm mic'd, I'm being, I'm bugged, I'm being listened to. Yeah. And then what we didn't see is that she, I didn't realize she knew there was a mole. I didn't realize she knew. Did the FBI agent tell her there was someone on the inside? I don't know that she knows there's someone on the inside. Just that it, she, for all she knew, it could have just been the very beginning of the investigation. Yeah, and I assumed her note meant they're listening, meaning right now they're listening. And then Sarah took that to mean they're listening all the time. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then she say like, they're watching us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I'm really nervous for Abe. That makes me really nervous for it because now everyone's suspicious. Yes. Whereas before you can kind of operate and get in close to people and no one are worried, no one's worried about your intentions. But now that Cal and Sarah are going to have their antenna up, you know, I, I feel like Abe's in a little bit 
more trouble. Because if Allison Kemp were around, then she would be a likely suspect. Because she came back just about that same time after Mm -hmm. she was, you know, screaming, hooting and hollering about the movement. But she's not around to blame. Who do you think they'll blame? You think they'll go straight for Abe? (laughs) No, I think what'll happen is somebody else will get fingered for it. And Abe's going to have to watch someone else suffer. Hmm. And then he's going to have to make a choice. Like, is he going to keep, is he going to be a party to this? Or is he going to, um, you know, come clean? I don't know. But I think, like, Noah, that girl Noah is a good candidate for um, being, the, being tapped as a mole because... There was some weirdness with her mom this episode. But they just gave her... The mom just donated 250 grand, so they might not want to pin it on her if the mom has more money. Mm. Mm-hmm. Why did she give that 250 grand? Noah said something about, my mother just showed up with her golden handcuffs to remember to remind me I'm not too far away from her. I wasn't quite sure. Was it that the mom was trying to prove a point, or was the mom like forcing her to be there? Oh, I took it as the mom wanted to prove that there is nowhere Noah can run that she could not find her or exert some kind of control over her. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And the interesting thing, we've also, we don't like the character and she's annoying, but this episode, I did find the interesting thing about her is that she is emboldening a spirit of independence in Hawk Mm -hmm. that we haven't seen. And that has the oppor- is in danger of being snatched by Cal. Cal's already kind of molding him and shaping him and whispering in his ear about who he is. And so in a way, Noah is that kind of free spirit. She's got no roots in Meyerism. She's got no roots in the community. She wasn't raised in it. And, uh, and he's, you know, kind of, he's going out to bars with her, or, you know, going and getting in trouble yeah. with her. So maybe in a way, she's a positive influence on Hawk. And Hawk, I really want to see thrive. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a good boy. He is a he's good a boy. Good boy. Did you see today that he cut his hair? I did see that. <laughs> I'm really sorry. You know, I did see that Entertainment Weekly had an interview <laughs> with him, so I'm gonna go check out that interview and hear about why he yes. cut his hair. But yeah, it was a little disappointing. I'm not gonna no. lie. But it's still, it's still. I mean, it's a healthy head of hair. Absolutely. It's still like. And he's still very handsome. He's a still handsome hair, boy, yeah. But that long hair, I mean, runs his hands through it. It's just it's maybe a... it's because they're sending you a lock of it. Oh, oh my gosh! A, a t-shirt of made of his hair. Oh. <laughs> That's, That's disgusting. disgusting. <laughs> Isn't that something that like early Christians used to put on to punish themselves? Hair shirts. Oh, yeah. I was like, or the I think the Catholics did it. I think like. Um, like for penance, oh, a shirt so made of itchy. hair. Yeah, that was the whole point. And not just itchy, but like you have to wear it for days or weeks and no, then it starts to irritate you. What? And I know. <laughs> Supposedly it's penance and then, I don't know, you're better or something? I guess. Speaking of strange practices, did you notice that when Sarah, when Lisa came into the room to be interviewed by Sarah, Sarah had her palms up almost as though she was trying to receive the light before Lisa came in? No. No, I didn't notice that. It was very brief, but the door opens and Sarah's sitting with both palms facing the ceiling and then Lisa comes in and they start to talk. And I wondered if it was scripted that way or if that was a choice by um, 
Michelle. Yeah. Um, Michelle Moynihan. Yeah. It was, it was really subtle, but really mm. wonderful. Almost like she's trying to harness this, mm. this good and this light before this she is, needs to This is where I feel like this whole season, the question that I have about everybody is, do they really believe the latter is mm. true? Do they really believe that this is true? That there is a light, that there is an eye, that there is a ladder to, cr- to climb and you be transported to another dimension and that you can do supernatural things like float and change the color of walls. Do they really, do people really believe this? It seems like the lay people, the people that are looking for something, believe it, but it seems like none of the people running the place. Totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really think yeah, that's true. I'm interested to hear more from the older generation. Yeah. We haven't heard much from them recently because it feels like whatever it was that has sustained their belief in it for 20 years mm-hmm. must be enough to sustain the belief of the younger generation, but maybe they're all more like Kodiak where they yeah. are, they enjoy the community side of things, but not necessarily the movement. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It will be interesting to see. And we're going to find out next week on episode five. I can't believe we're five in already. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we'll see how this goes. Um, we're going to try to get together next Wednesday so that we can have this posted by Thursday. Of course, we are on iTunes. You can find us on iTunes. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at L-O-T-L underscore podcast. Um, you can find me at Kira Creates. Um, or if you just want to check out all of the different things that um, we're involved in, you can go to phantomsway.com phantomsway.com and you'll see all kinds of podcasts and articles by artists and articles on artists and lots of cool stuff over there. Um, Check that out. Please share this episode with your friends, with your family. Tell everybody that the three most intelligent and, you know, attractive women in California are doing a podcast about the path. Let them know. Don't fail your friends and family. That's true. Lead them to the light. (laughs) All right, ladies, may the light forever be with you. And And also also with you. you.